about her approach of using Spanglish and eventually ending up in Spanish. Well, recently on the Language Tutor YouTube channel, our latest episode, which is out now, is all about how to approach learning Spanish and how to overcome some barriers. And we basically just answered questions that were posed to us on the Language Tutor Spanish Facebook page. Well, I know not everybody has a lot of time to sit down and watch a video on YouTube, so I thought I would put that episode right here on the podcast for those of you that like to listen on the go. So I'm joined in this episode by our friend Robin Bates from the YouTube channel who teaches English for Spanish speakers, and I'm also joined by veteran Spanish teacher Jennifer Carter to get their thoughts and their answers to some of your questions. Let's go to that episode now. So up first, I want to introduce somebody that you probably already know. Uh, she is on the Language Tutor YouTube channel as our English for Spanish speakers teacher, Ms. Robin Bates. Hola, amigos. And Robin brings eight, no, 20 years, 20 years of teaching experience. So I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. Also, I'm joined by a 26-year veteran Spanish teacher, and I consider her an expert in all things Spanish, grammar, history, culture, you name it. She is a good friend and a great teacher. This is Jennifer Carter. Hola. So thank you to both of you for joining me. Um, I'm really excited to kind of jump into a lot of these uh, deeper topics about just the actual learning process, because a lot of times we get into the grammar and the vocabulary, and we don't stop to talk about how to approach learning. So I've got a list of questions that were on the Language Tutor Spanish Facebook page. That's a really small list, That's Danny. A very small <laughs> list. <laughs> and so I'm going to start. One of our Language Tutor friends, Mary Keshavji, she, I'm just going to start very broad and go into more specifics. She says, how to prioritize learning. Jennifer, what are your thoughts? You're just starting Spanish. How do I prioritize what I'm going to learn? Um, I think you need to think about how you're going to be using the language. Um, what, is the, what is the purpose for you learning? Are you learning just for enjoyment? Are you learning for a job? In which case you would need to really prioritize for that particular skill set. Yeah. Otherwise, I think skills-wise, I would prioritize listening mm -hmm. as much as you can listen to music and, and um, television shows and reading. I think that's going to be a way to really like prioritize, but you're going to do all of that before you're able to speak. It's kind of like a kid learning to speak, right? So you need to focus on the input, 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 mm -hmm. and then the output's going to start coming a little bit later. Right. Robin, what are your thoughts on that? I agree with Jennifer on that. You, if you're learning it for a specific purpose, you're going on a trip, you are going for a job, whatever it is. And like, if you know it's a very technical job that has a specific vocabulary that you're going to have to learn, you would need to learn that vocabulary first. You would need to learn how to use the verbs that you're going to be in the processes involved in your job. Um, if you're doing it for pleasure because you're going to take a trip and you want to be able to, you know, communicate, then you would need to learn more like phrases, common phrases that would be useful while traveling. Right. Um, to me, uh, you've got to start with the input. 
you got to learn to listen to it and understand it, um, reading it. And that goes hand in hand with learning vocabulary. Once you start learning the meaning of these words, you can start understanding what the input is. And then you can start speaking it after that. Um, to me, another big thing with um, the like prioritizing is like just the basic sentence structure. Yeah. If you know how to make a basic sentence, you can, you know, mime your way around vocabulary if necessary. Yeah. But if like, if you know what order the words need to go in or that, you know, who you're speaking to, how to conjugate a verb for that specific person, mm -hmm. it does help. Yeah, I hear that all the time. People say, I, I just need to know how to form sentences. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, once we get the general structure down, we can really start trying to form those sentences. Yeah. Um, Okay, so one of our friends, uh, Andon Stove, he says the best system, and this is something I think about all the time, best system for learning new vocabulary, and I'll go ahead and read the next part, memorizing things like irregular verbs. Now, I kind of think those are along the same, because if you're trying to remember words, you're trying to remember irregular verbs, what's the best way, though, to start remembering verbs and vocabulary in general? Um, with vocabulary, like just uh, nouns and such, mm -hmm. a lot of times I would tell my kids to, especially when I taught English to kids that had just arrived in the country, yeah. um, label everything in the room. We would have labels on every single piece of furniture. Right. You know, I had a bucket of pens that, you know, said pens. You had the pencils that said pencils, uh, the closets, the cabinets, everything. And you start referring to those items with those words mm -hmm. to just get that into your everyday usage. Um, with irregular verbs, I'm kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a gray area, let's put it that way. Um, I've always found that if you are trying to conjugate irregular verbs and you mess up, you conjugate them like a regular verb, you're still going to be understood. Yeah. People are going to go, okay, yeah, I get what they're trying to say. And for the most part, most situations that you find yourself in, it's going to be all right if you make mistakes. Oh, I, I mean, you know, if like you're presenting in front of all of the presidents of the world, you might want to have somebody check it first. Yeah. Other than that, you know, right. it's okay to make those mistakes. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what, exactly what I did starting to learn Spanish many, many years ago in high school. We labeled everything in the house with Spanish because my parents were very interested in learning as well. But then to learn the verbs, I made mistakes. I made friends who spoke Spanish and I would speak Spanish to them and they would speak English to me and we taught each other, but I would conjugate them incorrectly, but then they would correct me and make me repeat it. So I think it's gonna be a matter of just putting the time in and not being afraid to make mistakes, yeah. so. So you're both talking about labeling things. So you've got me curious and I, and I know some people watching, especially with you, Robin, they know you. I've mentioned you're a native speaker, yes. but you were born in the United States. Can you yes. quickly tell us your story Okay, um, so I was born here in the U.S. My parents are American, my grandparents, great, and you know, we go back to centuries of people from the mountains. Um, but my parents were missionaries. Mm -hmm. So when I was 18 months old, we left the United States and we went to live in Costa Rica for one year for my parents to learn Spanish through immersion, mm -hmm. which is trial by fire, basically. Yeah. Um, and then after one year there, we went to Chile, which is where we were stationed for the rest of my parents' career. And we lived in Chile until I was 15 years old. Okay. So we would come back to the United States every two or three years for just like a couple of months for summer break, basically, for us right. to visit our family, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so I grew up with English in my house, but the rest of my world was in Spanish. 
Um, and my mother likes to say that the very first lie I ever told was in Spanish, because while they were at language school learning Spanish, yeah. and my sisters were at school learning as well, I was still, you know, a toddler, yeah. and I stayed with a babysitter who only spoke in Spanish. So she was speaking to me all the time, and as a toddler, that's when you're getting the majority of your input of language. Mm -hmm. And so I picked it up there. And then they would come home, and the whole family would speak to me in English the rest of the evening. Yeah. And so that's how I got both of them equally. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, Jennifer, how did, you're not a native speaker. I am not. So how did, how did you get started and interested in learning Spanish? Um, well, um, as a sophomore, I was required to have Spanish in my class, or as a class, and to graduate from high school, I had to have two. Um, but my freshman year of high school, we went on our first mission trip to Mexico. My dad was a preacher in Winder, Georgia. Um, we went on our first mission trip to Mexico, and I just got interested in it. And so I tell people that I've, I wound up being a Spanish teacher because I'm lazy, because I was interested in it, so it wasn't difficult. Right. You know, I got into it and I really enjoyed it. Um, I immersed myself in the population in Gainesville. I've, I made friends who spoke Spanish. I, I lived with that immersion here as much as I could. Yeah. And so that's, that's really, that was my background was just mission work. Um, right. But I never lived anywhere besides Georgia. So right. I never got to like live abroad or anything. Well, I almost did the same thing because I, when I started college, I already knew French mm -hmm. and could converse in French. So I thought if I major in French, it would be really easy. But then, you know, I decided to go ahead, pick up another language, make myself more marketable. So that's really the only reason I ended up majoring in Spanish. Of course, now I love it. So, um, all right. So interesting question here. Bianca Krauss wants to know how to overcome the barriers. This is one we talked about a minute ago. How to overcome the barriers in my mind of starting to speak, even if it's not correct in the beginning. A lot of times people want to speak. Mm -hmm. I was just tutoring with someone just the other day. She said, I'm terrified of starting to speak with someone because, you know, she, she's afraid she's going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, I, I'm an incredibly shy person. If I'm not in my classroom, I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm an incredibly shy person. In high school, if you called on me to answer a question in class, I would just about cry. Mm -hmm. um, but Spanish brought it out. I mean, it, it brought the extrovert side of me out. And I, I, just, I just jumped in. I think you just have to... If it's in the classroom, I think it's up to the teacher to foster the sense of family and security. But as an adult, it's it's hard, but you're gonna have to just under, just be willing to put yourself out there. Nobody's gonna laugh at you because you're trying to speak their language yeah. and they're just gonna help you and just say, correct me when I'm wrong. I right. know I'm gonna, and I start that with my classroom with my native speakers. I'm not a native speaker. So I tell them, you know more than I do mm -hmm. with some of the vocabulary. Correct me if I make a mistake. And I'm gonna teach you your grammar. I'm gonna teach you your academic Spanish and we're all gonna learn from each other. So you have to look at it as you go through your whole life learning. Mm -hmm. And if you think you're ever gonna to get to the point that you're not gonna make mistakes, then what's the point? Exactly. So. Um, you know, there's always the, in teaching we say you learn more from making mistakes than you do from getting it right. right. Because you see what you did wrong and how to fix it and that's how you actually learn how to do it correctly. Right. And it's the same thing with a foreign language. You have got to be willing to attempt. And I have traveled um, a bunch of different countries in South America living there, but then I've also traveled to other countries where I did not speak the language. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I was willing to attempt to communicate tends to make most people go, okay, we're willing to help you. Right. As opposed to, you know, going in with the, I'm just gonna be quiet and maybe, you know, point at things or pass a note. If you actually attempt to communicate, most people tend to go, okay, this person's really trying, right. we're gonna help them out. And you have to make mistakes to learn. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, think about doing math. Think about driving a car. Right. Okay, that's not the way you park a car. This is how you park the car. Okay, I learned something. And also, I mean, do you speak English without ever making a mistake? I don't. No. I make mistakes in English, so that's just, it's just something you have to embrace. Now, Danny, you sent us these questions ahead of time, and I was talking with my mother because she did have to do complete immersion to learn Spanish. Right. Now, my mother, um, she has an extreme background in that she stuttered as a child. She had a speech impediment, um, and she worked really, really hard to overcome it. She was a very shy person. She also has dyslexia, which means she has trouble spelling words, writing. Mm -hmm. um, and she got thrown into a country where she didn't speak the language. And it was her and my dad and three children under the age of eight. And so they had to get us to school. They had to get us to church. They had to buy food. They had to take us to the doctor, all in a foreign language. And my mother was like, it was truly a case of, you know, I've got to take care of my children. I'm going to try my best, even though I'm terrified. And then, you know, she said there were other situations where it was a much calmer area, you know, like uh, when she was at church with the women's group. Mm -hmm. And they were people that she had known for a long time at that point. And there were people that, you know, were her, almost like her little support group. And she felt much freer to make mistakes with them. Yeah. Yeah just because she knew that they would correct her, but they, did, they would do it in a loving way, in a nice way. Right. Um, there's a, one lady at our church that used to say she had the gift of interpreting tongues because she could always understand what my mother said. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. You know, I, I want to make two quick points about what you're saying. I talked to someone, I was doing online tutoring with someone the other day, and she was on a particular social media page where there were native speakers there who were supposed to be helping them and were getting really toxic, mm -hmm. especially with the Americans trying to learn it. This was her view of it anyway. Right. And my recommendation is if you're in that kind of environment trying to speak, leave the environment. Yeah. Yes. Get into a supportive environment mm -hmm. um, and practice where people are gonna be supportive. But now, it's interesting, you said people are not gonna laugh at you um, if there are some mistakes yes. you're going to make. That we will laugh. Yes. They're just going to come out funny. Because they're funny. Right. <clears throat> like, you know, I ordered a taco with no milk instead of lettuce. Um, I yeah. once said that my sofa makes burritos instead of noises. I also used to say particular items of, so of furniture cost a certain number of panes rather than um, dollars. Yeah. So I did my share and those are funny mistakes. Right. Laugh with them. My mother still to this day cannot say the word union, union. She calls it nunion. Okay. And that's just one of those that has consistently my entire life. That is how she has said that word. And we're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, another good question. Marwan Resk tips on how to speak rapidly or how to understand fast Spanish. Good point. Um, I feel called out. <laughs> well, I can say that my, yeah, it depends on who I'm talking to as to how fast I'm speaking. Um, well, the Chilean I, here likes yeah. to blow and go. Uh -huh. full, full force, straight yeah. ahead. I think music. Music is how I really learned to put my words together because you have to learn how the sounds all mesh. So you start with slower music. And back when I was doing it, Dinosaur Days, you know, there was no, let's pull up the lyrics yeah. online. It was listen to this over and over and over again and write yeah. them down so that I can understand them and learn how to, to sing them. And then once I could do that, it just, it comes more and more natural as you hear it. You just, you learn how those sounds kind of meld together. And then you're, you start with slow songs. 
And then yeah. to increase the speed, yeah. you go to faster and faster songs. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do that little exercise in my classroom with my students. We start with you know, Selena songs and we start with a slow song yeah. and then we end with El Chico del Apartamento Cinco Doce, yeah. which is so right. fast that nobody can do it. And you know, it's, it's, that's the way to do it. It's just use music. I, I'm a firm believer in music for learning language. Absolutely. When, when, uh, for those of you watching, Jennifer and I went to Mexico many years ago uh, for what, 10 days or so. Yeah. And um, that was right after Selena had passed away yes. in 95. And I picked up one of her tapes, it wasn't a CD, tape. Mm -hmm. I learned an enormous amount of Spanish from Selena. Yeah. Because, well, she's really easy to understand because she learned Spanish later, uh -huh. so. Um, I also find that it's a really good way to learn slang. Yes. Because depending on where the music's from, yes. which country, yeah. you're gonna have different words. Yes. You're like, wait, I thought that was called such and such. Right. Well, it is by most of the people, but in this country or this specific region. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I said I felt identified because I, I start off my year with my new students having to say, okay, look, I'm a native speaker from Chile and we speak like rapid fire. So if I get going too quickly, you've got to raise your hand and say, Ms. Bates, you got to slow down. We have no idea what you're saying, even though they understand the same language. Right. Um, so I have to like purposely remind myself to slow down. And I think that if you're with someone who's speaking with you and they are getting faster and faster, it is perfectly okay to say, slow down a little. I'm not getting everything. Because especially if you're trying to pick up the conversational skills, that's part of conversational skills. Even in English, sometimes my niece starts speaking so quickly, I'm like, have no idea what the 16 year old just said. You know, I'm guilty of that in English. So, so, um, but that I agree with the slow songs. Like I would, would start out with ballads and then like move up to, you know, some moderate pace songs. And you know, now they have rap in Spanish. So like, you know, find yourself a Spanish rapper. Hopefully, you know, you can download the lyrics and you can follow along and practice just practice singing with them. Um, also, I mean, movies and um, telenovelas from different countries, because those are very different. And watch yes. the subtitles so that yes. you can correlate what you're hearing and seeing. So watch the subtitles in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Don't put the subtitles in English. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, you know, like if you're watching a Mexican soap opera, that's going to be very different from a Colombian soap opera, right. from a Chilean soap opera, from right. something from Spain. I mean, because each country, the, the it's going to be different with the dialect and with the cadence. Um, they say that in Chile we kind of sing our Spanish, es cantadito. And so, you know, it, it is, we've got a specific rhythm to the way we say the words that is completely different to, you know, the surrounding countries in South America. It's interesting, a while ago you mentioned the different words used in different dialects. Uh, just yesterday, someone from India, I believe, or maybe the Philippines, found me on Instagram and, and sent me a voice message and said, do I learn, you know, I'm looking in the dictionary, do I learn all these words mm. for each word? Or, right. and, and of course, I believe that comes down to how fast you can learn your own learning speed and style. Right. But, you know, there are, you, you're gonna have to expect that you gotta start with one word mm -hmm. and then you have to build upon it. I remember speaking in a church in Guatemala and we go out to the Eastern side of the country and I'm speaking and I use the word regalo. Uh -huh. And afterwards, someone came up and said, we don't use the word regalo, it's don. Yeah, you were speaking of a gift from God versus a present, exactly. like given at Christmas. Yeah. And, and I even said, you know, Dios, I was referring to. So um, yeah, they said it's don. Uh -huh. I said, all right, right on. That, you know, this is another one of those yeah. things that you have to learn wherever you go. 
you're gonna you're gonna have to adjust to the dialect. So don't let that be no. an intimidating right. thing to and you. And if he is using the dictionary, a lot of the dictionaries will have like the most common word listed, and then the others they'll have in parentheses like the region or the country. Like it'll say MEX because it's used in Mexico or Central America. Right. Online, I really like word reference because it is so easy to see. This is the generic, and then right. these are all the different countries, and this is how you use it. I mean, just the word pen. Yes. There's like 20 different names for a pen. Yes. There's like bolígrafo, yes. but then there's pluma. In Chile, we call it a lapis pasta, literally yeah. a pencil that uses ink. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. All right. We hit on this a little bit while ago, but um, how to stop translating in your head. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I have my own theory, but. Being a native speaker here, um, I actually asked my mom and my dad this one because I was like, I've never really had that problem. Right. Um, now there are times where I will find myself, well, I will say something in English and I go, that was Spanish structure, oops, and I have to redo it. But um, my parents, my mom especially, she said that you know one day she just realized she was listening in Spanish. She had been listening to a radio program and she was understanding it, so she just assumed it was in English because she could understand it. And then something was said that triggered the fact that she was actually listening to a program in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And she was like, wait, I understood it without having to stop and think about everything. Right. Um, another thing is it depends on the context. Yeah. What are you talking about? What are you listening to? If it's something that's um, common to you, that's repetitive to you, that you've been in that situation plenty of times, you're not gonna have to think as hard about how to f say those phrases or how to understand those phrases. Whereas if you're in a new environment or you know, you're talking about something that you don't normally talk about, you're gonna have to sit there and go, wait a minute, what do I want to say? Yeah. How do I need to phrase it to say it correctly? Right, and I mean, I agree with that input. I mean, I know yes. I, I feel like a broken record no, input, right. but it has to be comprehensible input. You have yes. to be one, you know, able to 100% understand what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. um, for real life things, I tell my students, my AP students, to use news and slow Spanish. Yes. It's an app that you can use. You can slow it down so you can understand it. You can use YouTube videos and you can slow it down. Um, de mi rancho tu cocina. I don't know if you know anything about that video series, but it's this little lady in Mexico cooking in her kitchen. And we watch those in class and we have to slow it down because she is rapid fire Spanish. But it's interesting. I think if it's interesting, you're gonna pay attention to it. If it's comprehensible, but just the input, 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 input. And it's real life Spanish. And it's real yeah. life, yes. Yeah. It has to make sense and it has yeah. to pertain to what you're interested in. Absolutely, and I think uh, the, one of the biggest things I recommend to people is memorizing words is lower level brain function. Yes. Right. You can memorize words all day, but until you create circumstances to make your brain do that critical thinking, do the higher level thinking, um, really, really breaking down the language, that's when you get to the point where you start to internalize it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you are just going to understand it. Well, that's, I mean, that was my story completely. My first two years of Spanish, it was just Spanish classroom. You know, so it was, here's your vocabulary, here's your grammar, here's your vocabulary, here's your grammar. I didn't have to study it. I remembered it all. I knew my words, but I couldn't put it all together mm -hmm. until I did go out, you know, make friends. Mm -hmm. And I had to travel outside of my town because at that point there were no Spanish speaking people in Winder. Um, I had to travel, I, I made friends, and we started using that in context. Yeah. And then by the next year, I was our interpreter on our trip to Mexico mm -hmm. when we went. So, right. Right. so it'll, I mean, it's just, a, it's a switch, it'll click. 
And that's the thing is, you know, you said the next year you were interpreter. Now that probably does not mean that you were perfect at Spanish. I was not perfect at Spanish. But you were willing to try it because you had a context to use it in and therefore you were willing to. Exactly. All right, I have kind of, um, uh, this is back to the basics question. Okay. I get this question all the time. There, There are people who say, I cannot do my double R. Now I can teach people to do the single R because I just tell them, I say, say butter, better. We're doing the same thing, the alveolar flap. Um, of course, the people in the UK guys like to laugh at me because they say, we don't say butter, we say butter. Right. So my theory doesn't work in the UK, but, <laughs> okay. but the double R, I hear people say, how can you teach me to do the double R? And as of now, I still haven't come up with a really refined way okay. to teach. You don't say your double R's, do you? Oh, yeah. Do you, you do? Okay. Yeah. All right, so what I tell my native speakers, because there are native speakers that cannot roll their R's, it's, it's basically considered like the equivalent of a lisp in English right. yeah. for kids that can't roll their R's. Um, so there is actually the mechanics of it. You take the tip of your tongue and you touch it to the back of your front, two front teeth. All right. And then you're gonna pull it back on your palate right to where the palate starts going up and you feel like that ridgy stuff. Okay, right. And right there's where your tongue needs to be to roll your R. And then you vibrate your tongue there. So it's like you're doing like the sound of a, of a car, vroom, vroom. And so it's right there on that little part of the palate is where the tongue, tip of the tongue needs to be. And that's where it needs to hit to roll it. Interesting. Now you have it. Okay, if you're watching, you can't do your double R's. Start practicing it right now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I would love to be able to explain the mechanics, but I think that's about as close as we can yeah. come. <laughs> so. All right, interesting question here. The grammar structure of using se followed by third person preterite verb. Um, dang, what does the example say right there? <laughs> so like se me olvidó. Yes, se le cayó. Se le cayó. Se le quitó. Yeah. Okay. Examples like that. You know, we can explain the, you know, the technical grammar structures and all that. How do you guys approach helping a non-native speaker understand these concepts? Okay, so it's the whole direct object and direct object pronoun stuff, which can be confusing when you first start looking at it. Yep. Um, and basically it's the, what was the, who received the actual action of the verb? So like through the ball, the ball is what was actually thrown. Right. And then who received, who was on the other end of the ball when they received it? Threw it to somebody. So in English, if you would have the word to him, to her, you would use the indirect object pronoun, the le, okay? But now I think what a lot of people get confused with, and especially with this, se le cayó, se me, whatever, um, you can't have le lo in Spanish. It's right. phonetically, like you just right. can't do it. Yeah. Well, and I think too, a lot of people are thinking of the se as being a pronoun here when it's actually part of the verb. It is. And not a pronoun mm -hmm. necessarily. Yeah. Um, I like these phrases because like when I forget something, it takes all of the guilt off of me. Mm -hmm. You know, when I say, se me olvidó, it's, it's not my fault. I, it, it left me, you know, it was forgotten. Um, and I don't have to take any kind of blame, which right. is perfect in my world. Yeah. But, um, but this is one that, I, I mean, my students, I use a lot of comprehensible input. And so it's, it's one that we just, we get it through conversation. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't necessarily teach that grammar yeah. because they get it. So I'll, yeah, so I will um, defer to her for this. Kind of the way that I've uh, taught it before is, okay, what fell? Se cayó. 
Okay, that's the se. Right. Like the the glass fell itself. Right. You know, in Spanish, I love it because it is very much a blameless language. Yes. Oh, it fell. It broke. Yeah. It wasn't me. Yeah. It broke itself. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Se quebró. So the se is referring to whatever the action actually was directly. Okay. Right. It broke itself. Right. But then if it, I'm the one that, oops, was holding it before it decided to fall and break itself. Se me. Right. So I would need to have the meh to show that I was the one that was holding it originally. Right. So that's where those two come in. And then what I was saying about the le lo, you can't have that. You have to say se lo. Yeah. You can't do that. Is, yeah, that is hard to yeah. get my non-native speakers to remember. Yeah. Got a couple more questions. Uh, one, of, one of our uh, language tutor Spanish Facebook friends, Charles Goller, great guy, I've met him. Um, he says he wants tips on choosing comprehensible input for your level. Comprehensible input for your level. Yeah, uh, this is gonna vary by person, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Robin, yeah. How do you do it in your classroom? Because I've got what we do in like language arts at our school, but what do you do with your Spanish class? In my classroom, my, my comprehensible input, I do storytelling. Mm -hmm. I do, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole TPRS thing. I do a lot of storytelling. I do a lot of that kind of stuff. And then I have leveled readers. Like I have, I think I have, I think I'm up to like, like 150 leveled books that we have free voluntary reading. So, I mean, if we, if you can get your hands on elementary level readers, readings, even if it's just stories, if you have a Spanish teacher friend or someone that you can reach out to, I think reading, um, I think there again, input, um, oral, oral yeah. skills, listening to news in Spanish, news in slow Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, that's, it's, it's gonna differ by each individual person and what your interests are. If you're interested in music, use music. If you're interested in reading, so find some of the lower level books. And it, lower level doesn't mean lower level in English. So like Harry Potter would be considered a lower level book, but obviously you're not gonna be using that in Spanish. So right. it's, it's backtracking to children's books type of thing. Um, I also think that um, you said something that triggered something and now it's gone. So hold on a minute, let me get that thought back. Um, oh, TPRS, you might want to say what that All right, is. TPRS is teaching proficiency through reading and storytelling. So the way my classroom is set up, every day they come in and we do calendar time and calendar talk and we talk about announcements and things that just to get them using language that is important to them, focused on them. But then I have set phrases that are grammar-based and vocabulary combined that make sense. They're in context. And we use class time to, we create a story as a class. I don't tell them a story, but we create a story as a class. We have characters, we have them act them out sometimes. And it's pertaining to specific vocabulary and grammar. After that, they read. We read a story that I have pre-written that kind of, it uses the same phrases, but it's not gonna be the same story, obviously, because I didn't have it ahead of time. So it's the whole, it's, it's getting everything. It's just spiraling through. You start off with, it used to be total physical response. Yeah. So it used to be total physical response storytelling, then it changed. So when it was that, we would start with, you know, toca la cabeza, toca de la cabeza, toca de la boca. And we would practice like our vocabulary that way. So you start with that, then you go through the storytelling and then you go back to, I would ask questions about the story and have them start speaking just a little bit and then read the story. But then we do a class write. And I think that's where I kind of am different than a lot of people. We do a class write where I'm writing it on the board. The, we rewrite the story together. So I write it on the board and they're copying it down and we're talking about how the stuff is all like intermeshed together. So that's what my TPRS is. Okay, okay. and I remember what it was that I had thought about. Um, 
the uh, input, like you were saying, something that they're interested in. So like if they're into sports, watch a sports cast. Uh, right. Don't go straight to, you know, soccer because we all know they're speaking so quickly you can't understand anything unless right. you're a native. Right. But um, find something like uh, golf. If that's your sport, right. watch a golf, you know, thing in Spanish. Uh, they have all of these different channels now. There's yeah. all these different videos on YouTube that yeah. you can find. And like you said, you can slow them down. Uh, you can, with the books, we have, um, at school they have what's called the rule of five. For our students that are trying to find a book that's at their input level in English for just our regular students. And um, I don't have all the details on the rule of five exactly what it is, but yeah. basically you take one page. And I think that it, it, one of it is that if within that first page there's more than five words that you totally have no idea what they are, it's too high. You need to go to uh, you know the next one down. Um, and you can find very simple, like, language books that are about things that grown-ups are interested in. Right. That older learners are interested in. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, reading um, Dr. Seuss in Spanish. Right. Which is not easy, by the way. No. That's not something that's considered simple. But it doesn't have to be, you know, like reading a, a Cinderella in Spanish. Right. It can if that's what you want. But it could be that you find, you know, uh, a manual on, you know, how to build a fire. Okay. Right. You know what that means in English, and then you go through the words in Spanish, and you're like, okay, I know that the first step is you have to have these materials. Right. These are the names of the materials in Spanish. So, yeah. yeah. All right. A couple of quick grammar hits to wrap it up. Uh, this is a common question from people. Sometimes I use le, sometimes I use lo. People often ask for, this is probably one of the biggest questions we get on the channel. Why am I using le here in the sentence? And, or why is it lo instead of le or vice versa? Any quick thoughts? Okay, the kind of the one that, the way that I use it, the le is if you would have said in English to him or to her. Right. Any other than that, you're going to be using lo. Right. Okay? Right. So if it's to somebody, to him, to her, you're going to use le, right. and then whatever the verb is. Other than that, if you're just referring to the object, you know, the thing, you would use lo. Yeah. And so, you know, and sometimes you don't necessarily have the words to him or to her in the English version. Right. But if it's implied that it's done to him or her. Okay. So, for example, I gave him the book. Mm -hmm. Okay. Le di el libro. Right. Which in if you do the, I gave it to him, it would be se lo di, because remember, we can't have the le lo. Right. You would use se to him instead of le to him. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but you'd say le di el libro. Who did you give the book to? I gave it to him. I gave him the book. Yes. Yeah. All right, very quickly. Fue versus era. Any thoughts? Quick tips. I mean, era is imperfect tense, which is a description narrative in the past. Fue is a completed action. Mm -hmm. In the past, that's my quick tips. Yeah. Um, anything fue it's versus era. Right. Right. Well, uh, well, it's the difference in preterite and imperfect. Yeah. Mm. So completed, incomplete, description, narrative. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I, you, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Okay. So yeah. So it's the um, the way my kids. One kid explained it um, is perfect past. It happened one time. It's over and done. It was perfect. Yeah. You didn't have to repeat it. Imperfect past, you had to repeat it because you didn't do it, you know, it was right. imperfect, it was so it imperfect, needs to be doing. So to do yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, any quick subjunctive tips? <laughs> this is the last thing. I know you can't. Well, it's not a tense. It's a mood. It's expressing doubt and desire. Um, Basically, it's when you're talking about somebody's opinion, their desires, their needs, whatever things of that nature. But it's not a statement of a fact. Right. It's a doubt. Right. It's a. It might happen. Hopefully, it will happen. I wish it would happen. But it's not a definite known fact that it has happened or that it will definitely happen. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of chuckled when you said the grammar expert, because I learned that by speaking. Uh -huh. So every year when I teach subjunctive, I have to go back and I have to look at the rules because I don't know the rules in my head. I, you know, like before I came, I, I have to go look at all of my rules. But you know it when you're so, speaking. I know when I'm speaking. Yeah. I mean, yes. you know how to use right. it. Yeah. Which is my point, right. which is why I think comprehensible input is so great. You don't have to teach grammar explicitly. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can yeah. just teach it in context. Um, all of my native speakers, like I don't teach the subjunctive as a specific tense in my class. Right. Because my native speakers, they're like, that's just how you say it, Miss Bates. Right. And I'm like, yes, but do you know why you say it that way? Right. And well, so that's when you get into the grammar lesson. Right, but if they're working toward AP, they'll never be asked, why did you use this? Exactly. So, right. so, which I know that. So. Most people, when you are having a conversation in another language, they're not gonna go, but why? Yeah. Do you know why you're supposed to say it? No, they're just and having you, a conversation. And if you misuse the subjunctive, it's not going to matter. That's People right. will still understand you. Mm -hmm. So I think the big takeaway from everything we've talked about tonight is put yourself in conversation mm -hmm. as much as possible. Yes. Don't worry about the mistakes. Right. You're going to learn it and you're going to be okay and do it in a safe environment. Yes. yes. Well, amigos, I hope that you found that information helpful. You know, we do face a lot of issues and challenges when we try to learn a new language, but let me just leave you with this thought. You can do it. Yes, you can. It's just a matter of practicing, refining what you know, and practicing some more. You can do it, my friends. Well, I wish for everybody and your friends and family paz y bendiciones, peace and blessings, and I'll see you on the next episode. Hasta pronto.